1: This is found in verse uh, Luke twenty three forty four through twenty four twelve. By this time it was about noon, and the dark and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus uh, shouted, "Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands." And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus's friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus's body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, as the Sabbath was about to begin. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun. So they rested as required by the law. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of Lord of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Come on, amen. Greatest story ever told, right? Great job. There. Today we're celebrating that. And even then, in that moment, the disciples still didn't fully get it. Yet here we are today. God can use any of us, no matter where we're at. Would you join me in prayer right now, Lord? We're so thankful that today we get to celebrate the fact that you are alive. And I pray that you would be alive inside of every single one of us, Lord. Maybe there's some people here today that have never said yes to you, committed to following you. I pray that today would be a day. Where they realize that you love them, that you are real, that you are alive, and that you want to enter their life and change them and transform them. So, Lord, I pray that people would come alive today spiritually, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for all of us, Lord. Many of us have been following you and believing in you for years. Lord, I pray that the fact that you are alive would show out of all of our lives, Lord Jesus, that you would be truly alive in us, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, one more thing. We just thank you for Gonzaga winning last night. Help them continue the perfect season tomorrow. Jesus, forgive me if it's a sin to pray that on Easter. But help them tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Come on, what a game last night, huh? (laughs) Hey, happy Easter. He is risen. And glad that you guys are here. Thank you for joining us online as well. And today is uh, just an amazing celebration. We get to celebrate the resurrection. The greatest event that ever took place in human history was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're going to wrestle with this question today for a little while, though, why did Jesus have to die in the first place? Why did he have to do that? So the resurrection basically is central to Christianity, right? Everything about Christianity hinges on the resurrection. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then Christianity is fake, it's false, it's made up. That's why Paul said, he was writing to his friends at the church in Corinth, he said, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So this is the very essence of Christianity. And if Jesus just died another criminal's death on the cross but didn't rise from the dead, then he did not have the truth that he claimed to have. But if he did rise from the dead, friends, that changes everything. And we must pay attention to everything about his life and his teachings. I would even say this. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we owe it to the world to tell them that for the rest of our lives. But if he did rise from the dead, then we owe it to the world to tell them for the rest of our lives. Amen? So why did Jesus have to die on the cross in the first place? There's a lot of people that would think that God was mad. He's an angry God. And so God was so upset at us, at mankind, that he wanted to kill us, but thankfully someone stepped in and took the hit for us. There's a lot of people that believe this, that have been taught this, that have heard this, that... God's an angry God who who killed his son. And maybe you're here and you've heard that story and you believe that and that's where you're at. We're actually just thankful that you're here with us. And I just would ask you just to open your hearts and your minds to the rest of the story and what this day is all about. There's a lot of people that would say, Jesus went to the cross so that my sins could be forgiven, so that I could make it to heaven someday. And... Those of us that have followed Jesus and believe in Jesus, we would say that's true. But here's what I would say. That's just part of it. That's not the whole picture. And I want to make sure we understand everything that Jesus wanted to accomplish through the cross. Because Jesus didn't just go through the cross and rise from the dead so that your sins could be forgiven and you could someday be in heaven. Okay, now the resurrection is important because it proves to us that Jesus is, in fact, God. But I submit to you that the, the, revol- the revolution that Jesus started, it happened the moment that Jesus died on the cross. And so we're going to look at Matthew's account of this. We just looked at Luke's account. Dr. Luke there was what we read. Now, Matthew says this. This is one of Jesus' own disciples. And he said, when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, and the rocks split, the tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the Son of God. So you can see some very significant things happened the moment that Jesus died on the cross. And I want to say this. Message, the theme of today is basically the cross is all about relationship. This is why Jesus did it. Because of wanting a relationship with you and I. Both in Matthew and in Luke, we see that the veil was torn from top to bottom. Did you catch that? this veil was ripped now this veil was very significant it's right in the in the temple and I'll just show you a picture of the temple so you can kind of get an uh, an image of this but it was basically made up of three parts there was the courts there was the holy place and then there was inside the holy place the most holy place we call it the holy of holies and what separated the holy of holies that most holy place from the holy place was this veil this veil separated the two. This veil was very huge, actually. It was like 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide. Like, this is massive in structure. It was four inches thick. It took 300 men to install this veil into the temple. That's how massive this was. So I say that to say that the veil didn't accidentally rip that day. Yeah, it wasn't coincidence that, or ironic that at that moment that Jesus breathes his last and expired on the cross, that the veil was torn. In fact, Jewish tradition, first century Jewish tradition, tells of fathers would rip their clothes from top to bottom when they would be in extreme mourning. And you think about that moment that, that Jesus, the Son of God, would die, and God the Father's garment would rip from top to bottom as a sign of mourning of this loss of his son that had to take place. Very significant moment, and this is where it all changes, friends. That time, that moment that Jesus died on the cross, it really was a good Friday. Love himself, the embodiment of true love himself, died on the cross. Love in the flesh willingly went to the cross for you and for me gave himself up for us. He demonstrated to you and I and to the whole world what true love looks like. I'm telling you guys, this is the display of the greatest act of, of love ever recorded in human history. And this is the moment that Jesus began a revolution. Jesus was a revolutionary. He came and he brought us, really invited us into a whole new way of thinking and a whole new way of living starting something radical, something different. This was a revolution that upset the religious order of the day. This was a revolution that still today is even counter-cultural at its core because of the radical love that it calls us to live out. This is a revolution that changes how you and I can live our life because it revolutionized our relationship with God, our Creator. It was a revolution that would restore It would reconcile, it would renew, it would redeem once and for all our relationship with him. That's the revolution that Jesus started. It was a relational revolution. See, I wanna submit to you today that Jesus went to the cross because he desperately wanted relationship with you. This goes deeper than just forgiving you of your sins. That's very important. Taking care of the penalty of sins. But Jesus didn't go to the cross so that you could be forgiven of sins and know that you could be in heaven someday. That's just part of it, but Jesus wanted to actually come and live inside of you and have relationship with you. That is the full picture of this. The cross is all about relationship. Let me explain this even even deeper here as we go into this veil and this, this, this temple here. Before this moment, only one person could go into the Holy of Holies, which is where the presence of God literally dwelt, like God's presence, the glory of God was so powerful, so strong, so tangible that the person that entered could die. So they would tie a rope and bales around them in case the guy keeled over and died, they could pull him out. That only happened once a year and only one person can do it. That veil was ripped open. The presence of God is unleashed on earth and this meant that everybody from this moment on who says yes to Jesus and commits to following him now can experience the glory and the presence of God. That's why this changed everything. And Jesus talked about this. He said in John 7, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We love that verse here, by the way. It's one of the verses we get our name of our church. Rivers Church. This is what Jesus wanted to take place. You believe in me? Out of your life, rivers of living water. Verse 39, now he said this about the Spirit, just in case we're wondering, what's he talking about? John clarifies. Whom those who believed in him were to receive... For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Spirit could not come until Jesus went to the cross. Same is true for you and I. Until we go to the cross, we can't receive the Spirit of God into our life as well. So Jesus says we have to believe in Him to experience His presence coming into our life, to experience this rivers of living water. And that belief, we got to understand what that really means. This is a very strong word, not a soft word. This isn't like, hey, I agree that this happened. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I pray a prayer, ask for forgiveness. He forgives me. Now I have fire insurance. I'm not gonna be in hell forever. I'm gonna be in heaven forever with, with Jesus, and I'm, and I'm good. Okay, it's, it's not just that. Now I can live my life and, I, and do whatever I want. No, belief really means that I will center my whole life around this. I am going to live for this truth. It is going to be the main thing, the the driving force of my life. I believe in Jesus, and he is the central aspect of my life. Whoever believes in me, Jesus says, out of him will flow rivers of living water. And so then Paul, talking about this later on, he says, do you not know, this is again to his friends in Corinth, he says, don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Uh, This is profound to the Jews of that day. For generations, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God dwelt in the temple. So Paul is explaining, here's what's going on now. Your body is now the new temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. I I I love that. No longer was God's presence going to dwell in a temple, a physical building. Now God's presence was going to dwell in all who believe in Jesus. This is why... It was so radical and so different for generations. There was only one place that the glory of God was. Now you and I can all experience that for ourselves. Friends, this is why Jesus went to the cross. He wanted to be in relationship with you, and he wanted to come up and set residence inside of your life. But that sin part of the whole story is still important because sin's a big deal. Jesus did take care of that sin once and for all, if we accept that, on the cross. And sin literally means to miss the mark. Did you know that? To miss the mark. And what's the mark? What are you aiming for? Perfection. So have you been less than perfect today already? You don't have to raise your hand, but have you missed the mark today already? Have you sinned already today? That's the goal to take it even deeper, the goal for you and I is actually, as image bearers of God, made in his image, the goal is that we would reflect God's image to the world. Sin hinders our ability to reflect God's image to the world. So Jesus had to take care of the sin thing. Okay? Sin brought sickness and brokenness and death, all those things. Now, here's the deal. I don't know all the details of your life. I don't know everything that you have gone through, what you're going through, what you're worried about, what you're struggling with right now, all that you're facing, but I do know this about you. There's one thing you and I all have in common we've all sinned. Every single one of us, we share that in common. Every single one of us has sinned. But you know the worst part about sin? The worst thing about sin, it's not that, hey, you're a bad person because you made a bad decision. So feel bad about yourself. That's not the worst part about sin. The worst part about sin is that it separates us from a perfect relationship with a holy God. And you and I were actually designed, created to have that perfect relationship with the holy God. You see, God's all about relationship. He desperately wants to experience that with you and I. In fact, I could say this whole book is a a, a book that God is trying to tell us, hey, I'm doing everything I can to get close to you to be in relationship with you. And oh, by the way, that's how everything started in the beginning. Did you know that? Adam and Eve, man, they had the perfect relationship with God. They walked with him, talked with him in the garden. God said, you are free to do all this stuff. Enjoy life. It was life as it was intended to be in all perfection. No sin, death, disease, heartache, brokenness, none of that. He says, don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you do, you will die. Unfortunately, what do they do? They they eat from that tree. They instantly realize they're naked. They cover themselves. God comes looking for them, and they hide. And so let's look at a couple of verses here in Genesis chapter 3 of when God comes to look for Adam and Eve right after they've sinned. Verse 8 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Think about the significance of that. They recognized The sound of God walking among them. That's how close and intimate this thing was. Like they knew when God was there approaching to connect with them. It says, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Okay, so let's talk about this. So Those few verses right there. Want to know where they got the name of that television show? By the way, Naked and Afraid. Right there, Genesis three, <laughs> verse ten. Adam and Eve, naked and afraid, they hid from God. That's where they got the name of that television show. Chapter three, verse ten. So, Adam and Eve are hiding from God because they're sh- ashamed. They're full of shame. They're covering themselves, and so God's like, "Who told you you were naked? How did you? So did you eat from the tree of the fruit?" And they're like. Uh, They blamed each other, and then finally they admitted it. You know, God knew that they'd done it. He just wanted to get them to the place where they would admit it, right? And so then the consequence of sin entered the world and the earth. It was the curse. But then after that, God explained all of that. He took an animal skin, and he covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve. Remember, God had said, do not eat of this tree, because then death will bring it brought into the world. Death did come immediately. As a result of sin, it wasn't to Adam and Eve immediately, but it was to an animal immediately. You see, as God sacrificed an animal and he used that of Adam and Eve, it was the first death recorded in the world. And it's a foreshadowing of this animal sacrifice that God was going to use to cover the sin and the shame of his people, ultimately pointing us to the perfect spotless lamb, Jesus, who is going to take care of sin once and for all. We no longer have to to worry about that as long as we accept who Jesus is and what he did, and that's what we're celebrating today, amen? So the relationship with Adam and Eve is still broken, though, because of sin. So God banishes them out of the Garden of Eden, and he puts two angels, two big cherubim, right in the front of the Garden of Eden so they can't get in. There's this big flaming sword that's just kind of flashing back and forth. I just would have loved to have seen that. This sounds really cool. Flaming sword. You can't go past this place. <laughs> uh, but God still wants relationship. So he begins to work through a guy named Abraham. Abraham's descendants end up being slaves in Egypt. God raises up Moses to lead his people out into the desert, away. From, he wants to free them from slavery. But it wasn't just a freedom from slavery. In fact, Exodus 29 tells us what God wanted to do. He says this They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. God's whole purpose of getting them out of Egypt was not just to set them free from slavery, but he wanted to live with them. He wanted to be with his people. Relationship. So he instructs them to build a tabernacle. They build this tabernacle in God's presence. His glory literally comes and dwells there. And now there's still a separation between man and God, but God is, is there with his people He's leading them. He's guiding them. Cloud by day, fire by night, that would have also been cool to see. They make it to the promised land eventually, and they build the temple. King David, who just loved God, really wanted to build the temple. But God says, no, I'll give you the plans, but I want your son Solomon to build the temple. And so this was going to be the permanent structure to replace the tabernacle. And so they build the temple. Solomon builds it. And literally the glory of God comes and dwells in that. Remember, there's that holy place and there's the most holy place. That's where God's presence comes. They put that veil in, they dedicate it, the glory of God came. His presence literally dwelt in there for generations. And that veil also represents sin because it's what separates a holy God from man. So Jesus came and he ripped that barrier between God and man, destroying the power of sin, destroying the penalty of sin. But way bigger than that, just he wanted to be in relationship with you. Now, it said that on that veil, there was cherubim that were embroidered into the veil, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. Remember, God placed cherubim, angels, at the entrance of the Garden of Eden. There's cherubim on the veil, and so when that veil literally rips, like the, the, the cherubim step aside, now it's opportunity for man to once again have access to eternal life. And the only way that I can access that, though, is through relationship with Jesus. So Peter talking about all this, this is what he says. He says, "For Christ died once and for all. Amen. The righteous for the unrighteous. Okay Jesus being the righteous died for us, the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to God? This is the intent. this is the point. So that you could be close in relationship with God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. What do we learn? That God went through great lengths so that you and I could be in a relationship with Him. Aren't you thankful for that? This is a big deal, guys, and it's important we understand this because God deeply, desperately longs for a relationship with you, but not just like a relationship where you might connect with Him or think about Him on a Sunday. But like a relationship that would radically change your life, that would revolutionize how you live life. That's the goal. And it really makes sense because isn't relationship like the greatest thing of life? It's like the, it's, Relationships can cause the most heartache in life, but the most joy in life. It's like what we long for, good relationships. The most fun we have in life centers around our closest relationships, doesn't it? Think about your wedding day birth of a child, and holidays, um, graduations, things like that. You know, it's like we celebrate all those with people closest to us, and that, by the way, is why this last year was so difficult. The pandemic was so challenging for us because we had to do it all apart from those closest to us. This is why we were messed up emotionally. Mentally, this is why we struggled because we are wired and designed for relationship, and the greatest things of life happened, but they didn't happen the same. We were, it was broken, it wasn't as good. People graduated, but it was different because we couldn't celebrate. Many women gave birth to to children, and oftentimes they were alone with the doctors, unless they were really fortunate. Holidays happened. I think even the most tragic thing that happened was that people died alone this pandemic. It's just, relationship is the biggest thing, guys. It's the most important aspect of life. We long for relationship, don't we? I'll never forget coming down here to check out this church several years ago. This is before we were even getting voted on, just kind of feeling it out, and the church here was feeling us out here, and so uh, I preached, and then after that, Sunday, the services, we went to lunch, and went to the sports restaurant right down the road here, and wouldn't you know, by the blessings of God, the Seahawks game was on right in front of us as we're watching, or as we're eating lunch. It was awesome. Okay, so I'm hanging out, you know, Steve DeVault, Pastor Miguel, they're on the board there just hosting us, and we get to watch the Seahawks game. It was glorious, and I'm like, this is cool, man. I get to enjoy it. I I thought I was going to miss the game today, but here we get to enjoy it, and I thought I was going to be all alone as a Seahawks fan in this restaurant, but wouldn't you know, the first time something amazing happened, I'm like, yeah, you know, somebody across the restaurant stands up with a Seahawks shirt on. I'm like, my people. (laughs) And we instantly caught eyes, like eye contact, and we're like, yeah, we're like celebrating together now, like, and every time the Seahawks did something amazing or they scored, which was often because they're good. We would look at each other and we would have like, yeah, that was awesome. We'd be air high-fiving, like for the rest of the game, we're air high-fiving across the restaurant. And instantly that Seahawks game became even more enjoyable because now I'm enjoying it with another Seahawks fan. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's funny how relationship adds value and even more joy to things. Like when you laugh at a joke, You'll start laughing, and then what you'll do next is you will look around for someone else next to you that is also laughing so you can now enjoy that moment with them together. It's already happened. I've seen some of you do it already today. You know, <laughs> and now we've shared a moment. Subconsciously, we don't even realize it, but it's relationship. We long for that. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? It's, we're wired for relationship. And it's why people will go from relationship to relationship to relationship, because they're looking for that one perfect relationship that's really going to satisfy them, that's going to fulfill them. And that's not a bad thing, because again, God created us that way. It can become a bad thing, but it's something that God does want us to enjoy. But we got to understand this, that this side of heaven, no relationship is going to really satisfy us. Like, you might have the greatest spouse on planet Earth, and... If you are married, I do hope you think that way. I have the greatest spouse ever, okay? So you might have that, and that's awesome, but they're still gonna let you down. They're not gonna fully satisfy. They're not gonna meet all your needs. It's not gonna happen. The only relationship this side of heaven that can do that is Jesus. He's the one who will never let you down. He's the one that'll always be there for you. You need peace. You need comfort. You need strength. You need hope. He will always, always be there for you. And my prayer is that you and I would make that relationship with Jesus the number one priority in our life. You know, when people are on their deathbed, they don't want people to empty all the money out of their account and put it in this room so I can see all the money that I have. They don't want all their belongings and all their stuff to be gathered into that room. What do they want? They want those close relationships, the closest people to them to be with them in those final moments It just speaks to the power and the importance of relationship. And can I just say, in that moment, a moment that we're all going to face, the most important thing is, do I have a relationship with Jesus? I pray that you're blessed with amazing relationships of friends and family. I pray that you enjoy those to the fullest, but more than anything else, I pray that your relationship with Jesus would be the number one relationship in your life and that you would let him rule and reign in your heart and revolutionize the way you think, act, speak, and live. That's why Jesus went to the cross. And I always love it when I hear about someone's life who's changed by Jesus. i love hearing stories and testimonies. Maybe today's the day for you to allow Jesus to change your life. But I want you to hear from our friend Brittany. Brittany's gonna share about what Jesus has done in her life. So watch this video right here.
2: Don't know. My name is um, I work at River Church. I'm the admin and then I also oversee the elementary kids' ministry. Um, I wanted to quickly say um, when I was a child, like growing up, I always felt like I was being protected and that someday I would get my happy ending and someday there was going to be redemption. Um, at the time, it, I didn't feel like it was redemption because I was a child. But I just knew there was going to be a happy ending for me. And, and um, I say that because my parents were um, drug addicts, and so they had a heavy addiction to drugs. And anyone that knows um, that had dealt with someone with an addiction, there's always you're always gonna be faced with a lot of disappointments. And so, growing up, my brothers and I were faced with a lot of disappointments not necessarily for sure with our parents, but what came after that, Um, especially in in the environments that we were in, in the placements, Um, there was a lot of abuse um, and just a lot of broken promises. And so there was disappointments after disappointments uh, for my brothers and I. And um, at some point my parents did get sober. And so, I felt like, okay, that was it. That was going to be my happy ending. Um, finally, we get to be with our parents and it's going to be amazing. And before that, my parents would come visit us and they would bring gifts and you know, tell us all these promises and they would be the fun parents. And so coming in, we thought this was going to be like that. But um, we learned quickly that that wasn't the case. Um, they just were trying to learn how to be sober. And I don't think they realized how overwhelming it would be to take care of four children and still trying to be sober. And so we did see a lot of abuse um, towards each other, not not really towards us, but towards each other. And so there was a lot of trauma. And I think at that point, my brothers, were, my brothers and I um, were very like broken. And so this hope of um, us I think we saw our parents as our savior, and that wasn't the case. And so from, and I was like, wait, I thought this was my happy ending, and it wasn't. So we were very broken. Um, and my parents did relapse, I think about three years later. Um, my parents, um, my mom, especially she ran off and disappeared. And then it was just my dad and my dad couldn't take care of us and, um he did lean on into drugs. And so luckily my brothers were into college and it was just me all alone. And I remember feeling so alone in that moment, but um, then my cousin Leslie called and she'd been my safe person for 10 years, she's 10 years older than me. So she was always my safe person. And um, she was 27, 28 and she newly married and she called me and she's like, Hey, we have a room for you. Ready for you. We would love to have you live with us. So I hopped on the plane and I moved to Arizona. And I remember at that point, I my happy ending was not a thought in my head. Like this wasn't going to be my happy ending. Um, but I remember it being different. And they were still loving to me. Um, they were still loving to others, to each other. And they were Christians. And so they made a rule that we we're going to go to church as a family um and so I remember each service got better and better for me and there was a moment I remember um where the Lord spoke to me and said Britt this is it this is your happy ending um this is me I am your home um and I just remember being like oh my god this is it like it just all clicked and the little girl in me you know, thought that she was going to get her happy ending, and she did, and so um, since then, God has always been my protector. He's always been my home, and um, He's always been my side through everything, so it's been amazing.
0: The cross is all about relationship. Jesus wants to have relationship with all of us. Such a real one, such a genuine one, such a powerful one that it would radically change our life. Huh. You know, there's lots of evidence that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. Lots appeared to like over 500 people. The early church they went and spread the message of this risen Jesus. Wouldn't you know that the early church grew by the hundreds, by the thousands. Within less than 300 years, there would be 20 million followers of Jesus. 20 million in less than 300 years. All because these people's lives have been radically revolutionized by not a religion, a relationship with God. A relationship because now this was not a belief. This was not a set of rituals, this was God himself had come and set up residence inside of his people. And it changed them so much they they told the whole world. And Christianity was illegal at the time. This was all underground. But as they loved and they showed people how real Jesus was, and thousands upon thousands upon millions of lives were changed by the power of a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and it's time for you to be changed by a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're ready, maybe you sense this is my day, I believe, and I need to move forward in this. Maybe some of you have been believing in Jesus, but you really haven't done much about it. I I, I believe in this, but it, it really hasn't connected to my heart and my life and how I live in my life. Maybe today's the day that that will take place. I pray that it would. And you might wonder like, what do I do? How do I do this? Let's look at some words of Jesus. Luke chapter 9, where Jesus gives us some instruction about this. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, he says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? So Jesus is saying, hey, we can gain all that the world has to offer, but we can still lose out in the end. It, it still is not worth it. We can lose ourself, our life in the end. But if you want to save your life, Jesus says, what you got to do is really die to yourself. This is why it's important for you and I to do what Jesus is calling us to do. And that is take up our cross, go to our cross. We got to die to ourselves. So we can find life in him. Jesus went to the cross so that his spirit, his presence could come for us. We can't experience his presence and his spirit in our life until we go to our cross. And so it's basically a call for you and I to say, I believe in you, Jesus, so much so that I surrender. I give up. I'm going to live for you. And when we make him the number one relationship in our life, we're saying you're our Lord. You're my my king. Not just my savior and my friend, but I'm going to live for for you. That's how I save my life. And the truth is, we'll pay a high price for things that we value, right? People do that. They'll pay lots of money for things that we really value. That's why people will go and buy designer clothes, because I value that. I'll pay for it because of what I value. People will go to sporting events, concerts, pay lots of money because they value experiencing that people will spend the $80,000 on the Tesla because they value that. So we'll pay a high price for things that we value. And think about that in relationship to you. Jesus paid a high price because he valued you. In fact, Hebrews 12 says this says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus went through the cross because there was joy on the other side, and what was that joy? so you you were his joy. He endured the cross so you could be in relationship with you. So we got to deny ourselves, take up our cross. We die to ourselves say, Jesus, I come to you. I, I, I give you everything. I surrender. Forgive me. I want to live for you and find life in you. Friends, the cross is all about relationship. This following Jesus thing is not a religion. It is about relationship. That's why Jesus came. And I just think it's important for us to understand what it means to really follow Jesus because for too often, I think we kind of felt like, well, if I pray this prayer, then I'm fine and I'm good. It doesn't matter really how I live. Jesus forgives me, and I know I'm gonna be in heaven someday. But really, this is a call to radically center your life around Jesus. This is a call to follow him with everything. This is how we define what a Christian is here at Rivers Church. A Christian is someone who's committed to following Jesus, who's being changed by Jesus, who is led by the spirit of Jesus in living on the mission of Jesus. Those four things, we feel like those, is simple but just kind of encompasses holistically. This is what it means to be a Christian. It doesn't mean that I just like, I go to church and I pray every once in a while or I have this belief system. No, this actually changes it, revolutionizes how I live. I'm continually being changed by Jesus. I'm led by the spirit of Jesus because his spirit now lives inside of me. I'm a temple of God. His presence now lives in me. He has set up residence right here and he's in charge, not me. He leads me, he guides me, he empowers me and I'm saying yes to living on this mission that Jesus has for me. That's what it means to be a follower. And friends, if this Jesus thing is real, then I I think that that makes sense that we should live like that. Uh, Remember what I said in the beginning? I'm gonna end with this, what I said in the beginning. Hey, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then we owe it to the world to tell him that for the rest of our lives. But if he did rise from the dead. If today is true, if what we're talking about today is true, then we owe it to the world to tell them for the rest of our lives. And that's the calling, and that's the hope, and we do it out of relationship. Would you stand to your feet? We're gonna pray. Would you close your eyes and just join me right now in prayer? God, I thank you for all of us that are here today. Many are online joining us and people are here and chances are there are people here that are sensing your spirit just moving and working in their life right now. They're drawing you to, you're drawing them to you. And I just pray that in these next few moments that they would come to this place of surrender, of repentance and just ask you to forgive, restore, renew, reconcile and revolutionize their life you do that Jesus by the power of your spirit that is at work right now moving even right now in our midst Lord we're believing right now for a miracle the greatest miracle we could ever see and that is somebody's life transformed by a relationship with you if that's you I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus today we give you an opportunity to make the greatest decision of your life to step into relationship with this one you were made, you were born to have relationship with your creator, your maker, your God. This really is the beginning. This is where it all begins because this relationship changes everything. So if that's you, I'm just gonna moment, just count to three and I'm gonna have you lift your hands you can lift your hand. This is, it's a bold thing, it's a, but it's an outward, kind of a physical sign of saying, yeah, that's me. I'm ready. I want to do this. Maybe you're someone who believed in Jesus and followed him, but it's time to rededicate and come back to him. And if that's you, I'd encourage you to let us know as well. Raise your hand. If you're online, you can click that. Let us know if you're ready to say yes to Jesus. Let us know on the digital connect card because we want to help you. We want to help everybody who's making this decision today. Whether it's for the first time or rededication, this is just the beginning. I want to help you move forward in this relationship. In fact, I'd say come back next week as we you talk about God's plan for your life. Just easy next step. Come back next week. We'll just keep moving forward with this. But if that's you, Spirit of God speaking to you, and today's a day for you to say yes to Jesus. I'll just count to three, and then just slip your hand up, and then we're just going to do a prayer uh, all, all together. One, two, maybe it's rededicating and coming back to him. Either way, three, slip your hand up right now. Anybody here say, that's me. Thank you. Anybody else? I need to do this. Today's my day. I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm committing to him. Surrendering to him. I'm coming back to him. Online, let us know. God sees your hearts. He loves you. He cares for you. And he's wanting to move and work in your life, right? So why don't all of you just repeat this prayer after me. We're gonna do a simple prayer and let's just all say this together because so many of us have already experienced this and we still believe this, but let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for going to the cross for my sins. I realize it was my sin that put you there. And I ask for forgiveness for all my sins. I invite you to come into my life right now. I invite your presence to come and live in me and change me forever. I commit right now to following you for the rest of my life and making you the number one relationship in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can can we just celebrate those that are making that decision right now? Come on. Come on. I love it. I love it. It is like Jesus still performs miracles, but that's the greatest miracle right there is that when we say yes to Jesus, he comes in, he changes, he transforms us. That's the power of this relational revolution that Jesus started. And my prayer is it wouldn't stop there. Let's let it continue. Let's continue to grow in this relationship. Come back next week. Let us help you grow and take steps forward. And uh, we want to share it with other people too because, man, if this is the greatest news and the greatest relationship, I think more people need to know about it, don't you? Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.